good news, everyone. Thanks to your generous donations, I finally have a house. It's made of cardboard, but it's something. I nibble at it sometimes, but it's not as tasty as dice. Thank you, Mario. Thank you, Hedwig. Thank you, Matt. And, oh, a challenger emerges. Thank you, Kayla. Night-night. Now recording. Now recording. I do I do like Craig's recording voice. It's Glock. so dramatic. Yeah. Georg really needs to up his game. Well Georg is the evil twin. According to the Craig website. The <laughs> win. That's just a lie. That's not even a joke. That's just a false statement. Anyway, we should begin. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the podcast. Keeping that, keeping that take, obviously. Um. Hello and welcome to the probably bad podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Petzl. Paper. Today's probably bad RPG idea is. Normal D&D, except the DM pulls all the players aside individually to tell them that they will be playing as a spirit possessing the body of their character and must act as human as possible. Um, thanks to Parafoxicalc for that very spooky season submission. Like, there's a lot of ideas sort of, we get like, of this sort of idea of like, yeah, all, one of, all of you are secretly the villains, or all of you are secretly the big bad, or all of you. And I just really, really like it. Like, I'm glad people keep submitting it, because it's just such a great concept of just you get to the end, and then dramatically everyone turns out to be an evil spirit. It is powerful, especially because no one's going to be suspicious at all. Because, like, obviously you wouldn't say that to everyone. Yeah. So everyone else is just weird. Yeah, it, it seems almost like, like as if you need a way to have your players act weird, you know. But it's a great way to sort of ensure shenanigans, because, yeah, no one else will be suspecting other spirits. I did. Yeah, well, it never went off. I, I did a sort of game with secrets once. Uh, it was set in like the British. Uh, it was set in um, pre-revolution France, and the secrets I had were: you're a spy, you're you're having to keep that covered up, you're um, secretly not a noble, and you're a werewolf. And I feel that I feel that that would have worked well. Just wildly different secrets. I'm sorry, I've got off topic. I haven't I haven't like slept or eaten today. Hello, guys. On topic, what did happen though was your sound quality went worse the longer you talked. Oh, good. If I do this, does my voice stay more consistently good? I don't think good is the right word, but it is more consistent. Okay. Like, is it is it usable audio?
love that idea. It's like the game Werewolf. Like One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Except no one knows they're playing it. Yeah. Although now I'm wondering, what if you did this with all but one of the players? <laughs> Actually, I like you do it with all but one of the players, and you tell by the um last the human player, but one of their companions has been replaced by a spirit. Okay, this does remind me of an actual experiment. Um, the Rosenhan experiment. Um, where basically he pretended to have exactly one symptom, managed to get admitted to a psychiatric hospital, and then would not leave? Because they were just like, well, obviously you've got that label. And then ended up telling other places that he'd sent fake patients, and they were like, oh, well, it's obviously this one, and then he hadn't sent any. So, essentially, what you want your game to be like is like a psychological experiment that exposes ableism in um, the psychiatric system. Yes. Also, what I'm saying is, you tell your players that one of them is an evil spirit possessing the body and just enjoy whatever happens next. There's a lot of like ways to inflict paranoia using like to be honest, if you just take each player aside at like the start like if you take one player aside at the start of the game and you just don't like tell them anything and then you send them back. What if you take each player aside, don't tell them anything, and send them back? Because then they'll assume that everyone else has been told something, and you were just pulling them aside to make it make people not know who knows. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, the logical inversion of this idea is you take everyone aside and go, yeah, you're a normal human, and then send them back. What to do this? Yeah, like... It's going to be a problem because we have put on our podcast that we're doing this. We just have to wait until long enough after the episode comes out that people forget the specific idea. Which I estimate about 45 seconds. Yeah. The other but obvious. If we go back to the actual idea, though. Hmm. Like, I feel like it would lead to some very interesting behaviours, though, because a lot of game groups, I feel, have one person who sort of tries to make their character as quirky as possible. Mm. So I feel like... Because you, you basically end up with the situation of a person pretending to be a spirit, pretending to be a person. Mm. And that's going to look very different in different players. Yeah, I think it possi- it probably helps that like it doesn't really go into a lot of details as to how a how what a spirit is. Well, you could like you know go into more detail. Uh, you like I do like it just yeah, you're a spirit, and uh, so like da, 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 da. yeah, you just tell people you're a spirit, and so each of them is interpreting that based on how they would feel a spirit would act. 
Yeah, because you could end up in like an Anders Justice situation or like a full-on possession. Mm. I really like the idea of like, yeah, keeping it vague and so not only is every person being a spirit, every person is like interpreting being a spirit in their own way. You know there'd be one person that was just though, oh, but a, a living person with a soul is a spirit inhabiting a body. No. <laughs> So if someone does that, then we then they get possessed by a spirit in real life? Yes. Like, half the party are told that they will be playing a spirit possessing the body of the characters, and the other half will have a spirit possess their body and play them during the RPG. Did Sorry, you... You, you cut out after half the party... Yeah, so half the party uh, will be playing a spirit possessing the body of their character. The other half will be possessed by a spirit, and that will be playing them during the RPG. Beautiful. So you just have to start the the session with a seance. Yeah. Like, you just take out all of your cursed um, D20s and hand them round. And obviously anyone who rolls a natural one on a cursed D20 gets possessed by a spirit. So you just wait for the... Um, like, you have a sign-up saying act human, and everyone assumes it's, like, for the game. But when the spirits start possessing people, they'll see the sign and go, oh, okay, yeah, I see what this game is, and keep acting human. I think my favourite part of that is the idea that you will summon a ghost, and they will see the a sign that says act human and go, okay, I've got it, I'm going to yeah. do this. They don't want to be a dick and ruin your RPG. <laughs> of course, if you're all natural twenty on the painted RPGs. Yeah, the ghost's unfinished business was to be in a one to twenty um, D and D campaign. But what if we summon the ghost of one of those like satanic panic people? It's like, I won't play this, this is the devil's work. And then they remember they're a ghost and sit there awkwardly. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we can just go, see, they're getting really in character as a spirit possessing a person. There, there are no flaws in my plan to summon for the dead. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, if you want if you roll a natural 20 on the cursed D20, you transcend your mortal form and become a being of pure spirit, which is cool, but it does make it hard to keep playing, so you are going to have to possess one of the other players. Which is why it's self-perpetuating. You just yeah. hang around in the ether until someone else rolls a 1. Yeah. I, I assume everyone listening to this has their cursed D20, if not, you really need to get one. I mean, that's the, that comes with the starter set, so... Yeah, that's what I always assume. I was wondering what else you could pull your, your players aside and just tell them. Like, the thing that, that I just jumped much. Like what? in our, our bonus ninja episode when we just kept having betrayals. Mm. It's like, okay, you're secretly working against the party. It would either be a really, really long quite beautiful campaign where people are gradually sort of revealed and forgiven or it would last exactly 10 minutes there is no in between 
So I feel that's the sign of a true good RPG idea. Either this would lead to a beautiful setting, uh, set, uh, campaign, or the room would be on fire. My mind sort of jumped to, um, yeah, you're you're going you're going to die at the end of this campaign, and you need to make it as light, like you need to do as much dramatically before it happens. The other thing might. What would the in-universe reason for that be? Like, no, there's not like it's just like, yeah, this yeah. campaign is going to be tragic, so you're going to die at the end. Or I guess you know you're under a curse or something. That's what you get if you roll like low on the d20. Um, the other thing my mind jumped to is you're secretly a clown, and you need to stop the other players figuring out you're a clown for as long as possible. It's a concept, like. So this is a reference that so far only me and Paper will get, but when the when like the editor does play characters, they do do them all in weird clown goblin voices. No one can stop them. Be and fair, I feel... the last character was a Kermit voice. Yeah, and I feel like if they were playing a clown, it would take me quite a while to notice there was something going on other than their normal character. But yeah, like all of you are secretly clowns, so you need to talk in the clown voice and like honk your nose and stuff. But you need to avoid anyone else figuring out that you're a clown. Like if someone explicitly says, "Hey, do you have like a red nose and a multicolored wig?" You have to go, "Yes, I do, because I'm a clown." But like, unless someone specifically asks something like that, you're fine. What if there are different kinds of clowns? Yeah, so you got a mime and you got a clown. No, you got a mime. You got like your standard circus clown. You got Ronald McDonald, and you got a spooky clown. I feel you could do this. Yeah, I could do this. Hmm. Well, you could do any of our ideas. But you could specifically do that if you. Subscribed to our Patreon at patreon.com slash proudlybadrpgideas because this month's homebrew is going to be clowns. Yeah, we're going to be doing um, yeah, the clown D&D race, which I'm sure is something that at least one person has been asking for. On that note, shall we move on to questions before we yeah. end up just making Among Us but D&D? feel it is way too late for that. So we're now doing messages and ads on the podcast that you can submit through ko-fi.com slash probably buy RPG ideas. Um, 30 for an ad or 6 for a message. And our first one is from Matt, who has a poetry podcast. Poetry, of course, being the soup of literature. It's called Poetry Podcast 101, and it's on Twitter at Poetry Podcast. And I hope you get some listeners, Matt. It sounds interesting. But our first question is from a generic account. Have you ever heard of Scenario? I learnt it from a kid at, a kid at the camp, and I've never been able to figure out where he got it from. Characters can be anything that can be described concisely, and the setting is determined by discussion. On their turn, a player can take any action they want. 
The DM draws from a deck of cards to determine the level of success. Debate on interpretation is encouraged. The group can try for goal or fight until one person is left. Have you heard of something like this? So no, we ha- we haven't. I'm afraid. Literal hours trying to find anything about this and found the closest I find was the improvised RPG Drawfee played, but it wasn't that. Yeah, so it's possible you briefly stumbled into an alternate universe. I'm afraid. But it sounds fun. It does sound like I, I like the idea of like. Because I like debate on interpretations and courage. So I like the idea of you draw like the six of clubs and you have to determine whether the six of clubs is a success or a failure. Like, it sort of seems like roll for shoes, but somehow more freeform. Yeah, like there's a thing in drama system where you draw cards to determine the outcome of things. Hmm. Which, I'll be honest, I still don't understand exactly how that works, but I wasn't running the game, so that was fine. Mm. So, it's yeah, it's kind of, it's almost like multiple half-remembered systems kind of mashed together with the word improvisation sort of written across it in glitter glue. Yeah. Like, it is... But that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, much more... um much less rule-heavy games, and it seems like this game is, like, a precursor to them. Like, when this game entered our reality, that's what started spawning them. But yeah, so, yeah, I'm afraid that, like, pretty certain this game doesn't exist, but we, I would really like to play it. Yeah, but, like, um, we may have to do a one shot of this with our D and D group at some point. <laughs> and if we do, we'll report back. Yes, we'll tell you whether this game that potentially born into existence for thirty seconds and then ceased to be is any good. So I bet. Sorry. I bet that now we've said it doesn't exist, like we're gonna get at least ten comments saying, Yep, yeah, look, this was this is a real game and it was I'm playing a campaign of it right now. But such is reality. Personally saying it definitely doesn't exist. I'm just saying three hours on the internet with MA level research skills did not reveal it to me. <laughs> I'm personally saying it definitely doesn't exist. If it turns out it does exist, I will eat my legs live on the podcast. I don't want that. <laughs> I, 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 I am making some very firm claims here. Hi, I'm Hazel, and I make a podcast with Liz called Bread and Thread, which you might enjoy if you are a fan of food or clothes or other interesting parts of domestic history. We find out interesting facts about things like regional foods, ancient breeds of sheep, um, pretty much anything domestic history. So if you'd like to know why it's illegal to import a sheep into Iceland and what was presented by Queen Victoria to Harriet Tubman, then you might want to check out Bread and Thread. Find us at Bread and Thread on Twitter or Find us everywhere podcasts exist.
Martella says, we've heard some of your advice for first-time DMs. What's your advice for veteran DMs? Stop it. Just to stop it. <laughs> this is going to be a short episode. D&D is cancelled. Like, okay, so for veteran DMs, you can use your old army helmet to hold your snacks. Hmm. Once you get your DM medal, then you can use that to give at least one, give like one no questions asked order to any other DM. Right, we should make... If you write numbers around the side of a grenade, you can make a really fun die. Okay, I think we should maybe give some actual advice. You mean you don't like the danger die? I mean, okay, I love the danger die. Fucking roll a D explode. So yeah, I think um Yeah, so I've been DMing for quite a while now actually. And then try and avoid it for a game. Sorry, did you say something? I it just sounds said... like bad advice, but honestly, it will expand your thinking quite a lot. Mm. Da, 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 da. Um... If you're playing with people you played with before, they won't expect it from you. It's become a bit predictable. Yeah, I heard you say not done before, but I can't remember, didn't hear what you said wasn't done before. Yeah, so think about what your comfort zone is as a DM. And sort of the things that you keep doing. And then deliberately do something else. Yeah. Because then you'll be... You know, you'll be more skilled as a DM at the end of it. And if you play with people you play with a lot, they won't expect it. Yeah. I think, yeah, trying different systems and different um, genres is a good idea. Like, it's always interesting. Like, if you have one genre you usually go to, it's probably a good idea to try something outside of it. I think. If it's possible, and obviously it's it's not always possible depending where you are, trying with different players is like probably a good idea because different people have different role playing like styles, and trying with different styles can always be useful. I mean, now is a good time to try a new group. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, just yeah, post somewhere. <laughs> Like, hey, does anyone want to play an RPG with me? Yeah, to be fair, like, what, like, with more online gaming, I have been able to poke people who, like, wouldn't be able to physically show up to an RPG and go, hey, this campaign's online, would you like to be in it? Mm. And they have all universally said, no pencil, fuck off. But assuming that you are likable, it's a good idea. I like playing games with you. 
I'm sorry that, like, so far, all I've said this podcast is I'm going to gnaw off my legs and nobody loves me. We all have days like that. <laughs> Welcome to the Mod Pencil Slow Mental Breakdown podcast. But yeah, so I think probably the best, yeah, the best advice for veteran DM is to try and expand your horizons. Just kind of different players, different games, different genres. Because it's always good to like, yeah, it's always good to see what you can do. The fuck sentence was that? Yes, and then if that doesn't work, get out your danger dice and start throwing it at people. Yes. We only gave one advice, but if you're a veteran DM, you probably know all the the main advices already. Yeah, I think if you're a veteran DM, you likely already know, you know, old mechanical, this is how you do a good game. And I think so, the best thing is just, yeah, practicing and, like, trying different things to expand your horizons. Um, so we have one more question, which is definitely a response to, um, well, not to last episode, because this will be going up after the PSA episode, but to when we talked about it. Um, I've had my level 3-4 wizard take rope trick almost every day because it looks so sick, but I haven't cast it yet. What's they use it for? Justice for rope trick! So I had to look up what rope trick does exactly. Um, I think the immediate use I can think for it is surprise birthday party. The eight of you climb into the into the like pocket dimension. You hold up the rope, and then when the person comes underneath, you all slide down the rope, um, holding cake and giving cake. You could, I guess, use that for like ambushes in a different way, but I'm focusing on surprise birthday party. You could also use it just to escape really fast, hmm. assuming you're good at climbing ropes. You can escape, but you'll be into, like, a box in the air that you'll fall out of. Yeah, only after an hour, by which point the enemy has presumably given up and gone home. I guess it depends on, like, like if you're in the enemy base, it's probably very unhelpful. Yeah, but if you're, like, being chased by an owlbear. Which I am. In which case, maybe you could use some rope trick, my friend. Sorry, I'm just looking over the rules for rope trick. It's, so it gets you 60 feet in the air, because the rope's up to 60 feet long. And then you fall when, like, the spell ends. So it seems like it's just a spell that makes you fall 60 feet into the ground. I mean, I guess the idea is that you climb back out before the spell runs out. But also, I'm now thinking you could use it for ambush in other ways, because it sounds like you can leave things behind mm. in the extra-dimensional space that it leads to. You could use it 
I'm, I realise it's going back to parties, but you could use it for a balloon drop. Yeah. You take the thing, you fill it full of balloons, and then you cast a spell magic, and then balloons fall. Or confetti, or like... Yeah, this is a really useful spell for parties, you know. Also for carpet bombing. Just a very yeah. small area. <laughs> if you want to carpet bomb just like this one guy's sofa. It doesn't say how big the extra dimensional space is. If you want to bullshit your GM into saying... Like, it says that there's a window you can see through, but it doesn't say how big the actual space is. If you want to bullshit your DM into saying it has infinite space... You could just fill the whole sky. You could have, like... Going back to parties... Sorry, I think I I cut out. Or did you hear me? I heard you say you can fill the whole sky. Okay, that's fine then. Yeah, you could fill the whole sky with clowns. Like, going back to the party, you could fill the sky with clowns, and then when it drops, there are clowns everywhere, and the party is global. But they would drop from 60 feet. You realise 60 feet is like a six-storey building? Yeah. There would not be happy clowns at the end of that. Just sort of meat and rainbows. Okay, so, I mean, it's a very specific, like, genre of party, I admit. But there's someone into it, I'm sure. Or, you give the clowns, like, parachutes. So it's just thousands of clowns parachuting onto, like, populated areas honking their noses. need to check whether parachutes work from 60 feet. I'm just, I'm just going to assume. But yeah, non-party uses rope trick. Like, seduction check. Look what I can do, isn't it sexy? You need someone with a very specific kink, but like... The answer, by the way, is no, unless it can open quicker than a military-grade parachute. Like, it'll be, it'll be fine. Clowns can't die. Um, is that is that canon? Clowns can't die. Uh, for the sake of our, like... Um, yeah, for the sake of our clown homebrew, of course, we'll be saying they can die, just to make for balance reasons, but in real life, clowns can't die. Thank, thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> I don't like clowns. <laughs> We've established this before. Mud paper does not like clouds. Like, so the thing is, I, I, I am okay with clouds. But also just they're a good sort of source of, like, just things. Clowns work really well in a ride variety of contexts. of things. You've heard it here first. <laughs> clowns are useful for things. They're like just like you know how like with cooking you have if you put salt in like you know that's going to improve basically any meal. It's like the same with like terrible ideas. If you put a clown in, there's really no idea that that doesn't improve in some way. The word improve is subjective here. 
But I mean, are you are you saying that clowns are salt, or are the are they just salty boys? Clowns are salty boys. We we rain salty clowns upon the people of the world. I think that's the worst thing you've ever said. <laughs> and on that note, I feel we should maybe um, end the podcast before I talk my previous record. If you have a question or you want to shout at pencil, um, you can email prolybadpodcast at gmail.com or message us on Tumblr at prolybadrpgideas or on our new subreddit, um, the Probably Bad Podcast. Um, as I said, we do also have a Patreon where there's bonus episodes and homebrew. This month's um, this month's offerings are clowns and the origins of D and Daniel. So thanks for listening and have a probably bad day. And have a probably bad day. <laughs>